Alright, well good morning everybody. Thank you for joining us. And our, uh, this is Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett. And uh, feel free to just uh, join with us this morning. So you're either watching us today, this morning on live stream on Facebook or on YouTube or also our website, lighthousediscipleship.org. Uh, if you need directions to find either one of those, just reach out in the comments below and we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we can get you dialed in. Actually, it's been nice. We've actually been starting a brand new live stream system, so hopefully we don't have any hiccups this morning. Um, but uh, uh, the whole idea, we've been, we've been live streaming on Facebook for about five years. Uh, but we've just got a new system so we can hopefully live stream directly to our website as well as YouTube. And actually, since we've been doing this since last week, we've got a, over 100 new subscribers on our YouTube channel. And uh, we feel, feel free to subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Uh, it doesn't cost anything, as well as it doesn't cost anything to follow us on Facebook. But uh, uh, the, the main goal with the, this whole upgrade is to live stream directly on uh, our website. Uh, one of the reasons for that is because we don't have a live worship team that plays music live. We have recorded music. Uh, we're small as far as uh, size here, staff-wise. And because of that, uh, we can't uh, legally uh, broadcast uh, our worship uh, playlists every day because it's recorded music. So uh, Facebook and YouTube would shut us down if we did that because of copyright laws. So we, uh, by live streaming directly to our website, people, we have a, a link where people can uh, follow our worship playlists every week. They can submit a prayer request. They can also give their tithes and offerings or donations, supporting us financially a bit too. And we thank you for those who do. We do have our regular partners who, who support us so we can do what we're doing. But beyond that, you know, and so uh, uh, we're here. We're live streaming here on Facebook. We're live streaming here on YouTube and as well on our website. Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get into the message this morning. Uh, I just want to remind you we do have a Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock. We're starting a brand new book, uh, The True Nature of God by Andrew Womack. And we'll be starting up at night at 6 on all three uh, platforms, YouTube, Facebook, and uh, our website. Uh, okay. And then all of our, all of our whether it be our Sunday morning service here or whether any of our Bible studies, uh, we also open our, our home because uh, we're doing this out of our home. So, and so we have, in a sense, four uh, different medias we'll do, you can listen. You can listen to it live right here or you can listen to it live on three different platforms. And then we have a Bible study that we just started uh, on uh, the new year of the Holy Spirit on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. Uh, we had a little hiccup last week from our, our social media that we're trying to get dialed in, so we're going to actually repeat um, uh, last Wednesday's this Wednesday. Uh, so uh, we're still having some hiccups. I don't know if we're still good this morning, Cherry. Everything but YouTube. Okay, so we're still having a hiccup with YouTube. So anyway, if it's a total flop this morning, I will repeat the, uh, today's message. We're still trying to get this dialed in. Um, so, uh, anyway, thank you for your patience as we're trying to uh, do technology without an IT person, <laughs> someone who knows what they're doing. So, uh, anyway, without further ado, we're just going to go ahead and jump into the message this morning. Uh, we're starting a new, brand new series called God Revealed. And I'm going to be going over the seven redemptive names of God in this series, uh, as well as I'm going to be talking about the name of Jesus. So I'll be talking about eight different names in the series. This week, and possibly I will spill over to next week, I hope we do more of an introduction to what I want to get into. Um, uh, my introductions are usually longer than my messages uh, because I, I, I'm setting the platform, I'm setting the stage. It's almost like 
the trial in a court case is long, and then the closing argument from the lawyer, uh, the counselor, is usually short. Uh, but I, they did everything else to set the stage for that closing argument. And so in some ways my teaching is that way too. I will, I, I, I'm trying to, to set the platform, set the stage, uh, connect, and then I, I want to address different things, and then I like connecting the dots and putting it all together. So hopefully that makes sense. That's just been my style. So we're talking about the, the redemptive names of God. We're talking about God reveals, how God reveals himself. You know, you can reveal God to me, I can reveal God to you, but I want to know how God reveals himself. Uh, I want to hear from him. I want to hear from, and, and there's an old expression here from the horse's mouth. I want to hear from him. Uh, how does God reveal himself? Because however God reveals himself, that's how he wants to be known. That's who he is. Uh, sometimes even if we have the right motive, we can, we can misrepresent somebody to someone else. Because we all can only see from our perspective. Uh, or how we've been taught, and there's different, different variables for that. But how does God reveal himself? And one of the ways that God reveals himself, I believe he reveals himself in a lot of different ways. He reveals himself in nature. He reveals himself in, in his creation in a lot of different ways. He reveals himself through angels and different things, dreams and visions and whatnot. But he also reveals himself through seven redemptive names, which we're going to be going over uh, in the following weeks. But let me just say this, and this goes with every single thing that we teach here. Every single one of these names that we go, go are going to go over and study a little bit, they all point to Jesus. Everything will always point to Jesus. It's Jesus that's being preached to us, even in these redemptive names. It's God revealing Jesus to us. Uh, and, and Jesus is being revealed. The gospel is being revealed uh, to us. Uh, these are just some uh, introductory verses, but real quickly, I'm just going to quote from Galatians 3.8. And it says, And the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, And in, in, in the nations shall, and you, all the nations shall be blessed. The point I'm making here, just, in, just a small little point here at the beginning, is that God revealed his gospel to Abraham. We studied in our last teaching series how God revealed the gospel to the Israelites in Exodus, in Exodus chapter uh, 13 and 14. Uh, and we, we read this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, which we read the uh, last few weeks, is that the gospel was revealed not just uh, to Abraham. It's not just revealed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's not just revealed in the New Testament. The, and the, the point I'm making is the gospel has been revealed since creation. The gospel has been revealed since the beginning. What is the gospel? The gospel in the simplest form is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a, what we call the finished work of the cross. It's he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What, 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 what is all that? All that is, you know, God created the heavens and earth and he said it was very good. He said it was good. He said man was good. Man had a good relationship with God. Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. But man sinned. Adam sinned. And God said, when man sins, he will surely die. Man lost his relationship with God in that, in that close intimacy. But even when God, man sinned, God didn't hide himself from God, man, Adam. Adam hid himself from God. But even then, man was separated from God. The Bible teaches in the New Testament how man was alienated from the life of God. We were separated from God. 
We could not have a close relationship with God because of sin. So Jesus came to die for us, to reconcile us back to God. He who knew no sin became sin, <coughs> that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That word righteousness is used over 512 times in the, in the, in the in Scripture, and it means it's a noun, it's not a verb. It's, it's, it's talking about a right relationship with God. We couldn't have a right relationship with God because of sin. But Jesus became our sin. He took our penalty so we could have a right relationship with God. So again, as we go over these names, it's going to be revealing this Jesus, Jesus who died for us. It's going to be revealing the nature of God. It's going to be revealing this gospel that Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer, uh, our healer, our deliverer, came to die for us, that we can live in him. And so anyway, there, there's a lot here uh, that we'll begin to explain as we go forward. But real quickly, before we go, uh, continue to go forward, go, if you have your Bible, still with me real quick to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. And we'll start with verse 1. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who bring the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things, <coughs> excuse me, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. There's a lot here in this first three verses, which is really all one sentence. If you read the Greek here, there's no period until you get to the end of verse 3. But that's, that's besides the point. God is saying there are a lot of different things in these three verses, though. He says, God has been speaking to man since creation. God has always been speaking. The problem is we're not listening. But God has been, but he says, God has been spoken many times to various times and various manners or various ways in times past to our fathers by the prophets. In different ways, God has spoken to us by people like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, and others, Samuel, and whatnot, Elijah, and some of the prophets. But God has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, Jesus Christ, whom God has appointed to be heir of all things. And then he goes on to say in verse 3 that Jesus is the express image of the Father. Jesus said this way, if you see me, you've seen the Father. And God has not just spoken to us by his Son. He goes on to say in verse 3 here that God has spoken to us through this Jesus who's the express image of God, when, and he tells us when he has spoken to us. He has spoken to us when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty and height. What we just read there in the last part of verse 3 is what I just talked about, the gospel, with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus purged our sins at the cross. Jesus sat down at the right hand of God after he res resurrected from the dead and he ascended to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. 
All of this is speaking to the, the finished work of the cross, which we just described a minute ago, is the gospel. It's the good news. Gospel is good news. It's what Jesus has done. The, bo the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, I'm not going to turn there, says that this gospel, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein, therein what? Therein the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. God reveals his righteousness. God reveals that we can have a right relationship with him through the gospel. And this gospel is the word that God, God is speaking in these last days through his son, who is the very special image of God when he approached himself at the right hand of Matthew and I. In other words, let me, let me paint the picture here. He says that he upholds all things by the power of his word when he himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. God, God says he upholds everything by his word. If God doesn't keep his word, then everything will, 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 will fall apart. Everything, you gotta, you gotta, we have to picture this. Everything God has created, the trees, the birds, the, the ground, even the things that man has made, have, have God, man made these things, the technology that we're using, the chair or couch you're sitting on, uh, all these different things, the carpet, the, the buildings, the houses, all these things were made from materials that God made. They've been manufactured, they've been processed they've been, uh, to, uh, to, to produce the, the, the equipment or the chair or the furnishing that you're sitting on, the book, even, even the leather and the pages of the Bible that you're using, all that has been made from trees or leather or different, different materials, ink and all that stuff, all was made from materials that God created. And God says he upholds all things by the power of his word. If God's word doesn't, re it doesn't hold true, then everything would fall apart and become goo. That's powerful. And he, he now he says that he upholds all things by the power of his word, but he upholds all things by the power of his word when he by himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of God. This gospel message of him purging our sins and sitting down at the right hand of God is what is hoping, upholding all things. The gospel is true. And these names of God, why am I going with this? Because these names of God are going to be pointing to these, uh, these, uh, uh, sorry, I lost my thought. I had too many thoughts going in my head. I'm trying to get them all funneled down into uh, something that makes sense. The gospel is, the, is the, these, these names of God are going to rebuild this Jesus. And this God, the, the names of God, is going to reveal God to us and who he is and what he's done for us to the cross and what he's done to us through Jesus. Because God is speaking to us in these last days by his son who has purged our sins. And the same God, that, the same God, the same gospel that was revealed to Abraham and to Moses and other people beforehand is now being revealed. And that was, a, the Bible calls that a shadow. The Bible calls that a foreshadow. This is the real, Jesus is the real thing. All that is pointing to Jesus. Jesus, John, Jesus said in John, I think it's John chapter 8, but I forget the, the reference. But it says, you search the scriptures because they testify of me. The scriptures will always testify of Jesus. And these names of God, this revelation of God, 
And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So it's God revealing himself. He's revealing himself, but he's also revealing Jesus to us. Hopefully this is making sense. Go with me one more scripture before we go a little further in our study. But go to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. And we'll look at verse 8 briefly. It says, and this is Jesus speaking. John on the island of Patmos had a, a revelation of Jesus. That's what this book is about. Yes, it talks about end time events, but it's about the revelation of Jesus. That's what the book is called. I mean, if you read verse uh, Revelation 1, verse 1, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, John just, he doesn't, he just, he gets to the chase right at the very beginning. And then in, the, in this revelation, Jesus is speaking in verse 8. And he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the one who is and who was and who is to come. That is Jesus. He goes on to say in verse 11, I saying, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what you see right in the book and send it to the seven churches. And we, we've discovered that in, 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 a, in a previous teaching that we, I have and call the revelation of Jesus. Now, the seven redemptive names that we're going to be going over with, and we won't be going over these specifically today, because I'm still going to have an introduction this morning. But these, we're going to, over the next few weeks, we're going to go over these seven redemptive names. I'll list them for you now. But we're going to be going over them in the weeks to come. And these seven redemptive names that we're going to be going over with, and the first one is called Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, which means, or is interpreted, the Lord our provider. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. The second redemptive name that we're going to be going over is Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. The Lord our healer. The third name that we're going to be going over with is called Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi. And it's the Lord our banner. The Lord our banner. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. The fourth redemptive name that we're going to be going over with is Jehovah Makedish. Jehovah Makedish. And just try to sound it out and write notes. It's probably all Hebrew to you. Jehovah Makedish. And it means the Lord who sanctifies. The Lord who sanctifies. Jehovah Makedish. The Lord who sanctifies. The fifth name is Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. Which is the Lord our peace. The Lord our peace. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord our peace. The sixth name that we're going to go over is Jehovah Tekish. Tekishnu. I can't even pronounce it myself. Can you spell it out for you? This, this last one is Jehovah Tekishnu. T S I D K E N U. I'm sorry. T S I D. K-E-N-U, yeah, I think it's a better. And it means the Lord our righteousness. 
the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Tzidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. And then the last one that we will go over is called Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Shammah. Which is the Lord who is present. The Lord who is present. So real quickly, let me just recap them real quick. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. Jehovah Nishi, the Lord our banner. Jehovah Makedish, the Lord who sanctifies. The Lord Shalom, the Lord our peace. Jehovah Kenu, the Lord our righteousness. And the Lord Shema, the Lord who is present. Real quickly though, I want to uh, just make some few notes about this first part of it, the word Lord. Lord. I just want to speak for this uh, to, to a minute. When you read the, especially the King James Version, I know there's a lot of different versions out there, but the King James, you'll notice especially in the Hebrew, the Old Testament, that sometimes the word Lord is all caps, and sometimes it's capital L with lowercase O-R-D. When it's all caps, it's actually the Hebrew word Yahweh, which we, and that's the, that's the word being used in all, all seven of these names, Yahweh, or Jehovah, Yahweh, Jehovah. When it's just capital L and lowercase O-R-D, it's Adonai, Lord Adonai. And so, um, one, one verse where you will see this, both these words being used is when, I think it's Psalm 110, uh, where it says, The Lord said unto my Lord, sit down, uh, sit down until I make your enemies my footstool. You'll see both Lords being used in, in uh, the two different Hebrews. I'm not teaching on that right now. But the, all these, we get the names of Lord our provider, Lord our healer, Lord our banner, etc. is using the word Yahweh, Jehovah. And, that, and, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail with this, but it's, that word Yahweh is very sacred in the, in the, in the Hebrew Jewish culture. And to, to a point where they won't even almost say the name, where they won't even write the name uh, and whatnot. But it's Yahweh. And God revealed himself to Abraham as Yahweh. Is, and I'll just give some brief definitions of this. I'm not going to be exhaustive, but it also means the self-existing one. One of our worship songs this morning used that phrase, the, the, the self-existing one, the ever-present one. Uh, I forget exactly how the song went, but the, the self-existing one. The self-existing one. See, no one created God. No one created Yahweh. But he's the one who is revealing himself to us in these seven redemptive names that we're going to go over. Now we got to we got to keep in mind that when we're when we're talking about God revealed, we're talking about how God reveals Himself. God's not hiding. He's not playing hide and seek. He's not so mysterious that he's hiding. He's never he never hid from Adam when Adam said. God, Adam hid from God. Adam didn't hide. I mean, God didn't hide. Adam did. God is not hiding. God is actively pursuing us. And he's revealing himself. In the day in the New Testament, he's revealing himself through Jesus. And he's revealing us, he's revealing Jesus to us by the Holy Spirit. 
after we done, we're done with this series of teachings, I'm going to be talking about the Holy Spirit uh, in our next series, which will probably won't be until November or so when we get to it. But God is actively pursuing us. God has always been actively pursuing us. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on us. But he's actively pursuing us. You know, one way I can describe that is that there's radio signals in this room all the time. Radio signals from cell phones to to uh, garage door openers to all kinds of devices. But until we have a device that can capture that signal, we're not gonna we're not gonna uh, we're not gonna receive what the the the, 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 the radio waves that are that are functioning in this room right now. You know, I had an English teacher in high school. And his favorite saying was, stop broadcasting and start tuning in. In other words, he was trying to tell us, stop talking <laughs> and listen. And, uh, you know, we need to receive. We need to, <coughs> to learn to hear God's voice. We need to learn how, how to, to dialogue with God. There's so many aspects I can go with this. You know, prayer in its simplest form is not just us, us making a request, even though that's part of it. At, at its core, prayer is, is fellowship. It's a two-way conversation, not just a monologue. It's a two-way conversation. Yes, in there we can make our request made known to God. But God can also speak to us. Young Samuel had to learn God's voice. Paul, saw, Paul had to learn God's voice. We need to learn how to speak to us. And one way God will always speak to us is through his word. Sometimes we want a relationship with God in, a, in an audible way. And that, not that he can't speak to us that way, but God wants to speak to us through his word. God wants to speak to us through his son. God wants to speak to us through the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us all at different times. Sometimes God will speak to us through other people. God will speak to us through creation. But, and, 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 and whatnot. But, and even though I appreciate that God can speak to me through pastors and teachers and different things, and we need to have a healthy diet of that, we also need to have a healthy diet of us having a personal relationship with God. I can't just have my relationship with God based on my spouse or my parents or, or, or my best friend or my pastor. I, someone else cannot have a relationship with God for you. You can't have a relationship with my wife for me. You can be her friend. You can be a good friend. You can be her mom, her sister, her, her dad, her brother, uh, her, her nephew or niece or whatever you might be. But you can't be her husband. That job's taken. And someone can't substitute that relationship for her or me. I'm just trying to illustrate some point. God, we're talking about God revealing himself. We're not just talking about these names of God. We're talking about how God reveals himself. And we're going to be talking about how God reveals himself through these names. Names, these are names that he, he himself revealed to people. These are names that God revealed himself to people. They, they are not, and they're not just names. They are what he proved himself to be. He is our righteousness. He is our healer. He is our provider. He is our banner, our victory. And we'll, we'll talk about that. These are not just names or titles, as some people call them. These are how God proved himself to be to his people. He proved his reputation. Your name has a reputation. And we can walk in that reputation. Now, for example, in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, I'm not going to turn there, but it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. 
We're the children of God. That means we're born of God. Like father, like son or daughter. But it, it, like, it, we're born of God. And it goes on to say at the end of verse 2 that we will be like him when we see him as he is. So as we're talking about God revealed, we're also going to reveal who we are. Because we're born of God. Now we're not gods, we're not little gods, but we are the children of God. We're born of God. And the more I get to know who, and we're going to be studying on Sunday nights, uh, starting tonight, the true nature of God. And the more we get to know who God is, the more we're going to discover who we are in Him. There's over 300 scriptures in the New Testament who we are in Christ. And Christ said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God's revealing Himself to us because when we and just like he revealed himself to Abraham, like he revealed himself to Moses, how he revealed himself to Isaac and Jacob and other people. God wants to reveal himself to you. And one of the ways that God reveals himself is through his word. It's through, it's through his son, Jesus Christ. It's through his Holy Spirit. But also in that, it's through these names, through, through who he is. <coughs> and when we and, and, and not only did God reveal himself, his name, these names to Abraham and Moses, for example. God also gave them instruction. God, they also discovered who they were. And Abraham was a friend of God, it says. Moses thought he could not be God's spokesman before Pharaoh. He discovered who he was. And in that, we, they discovered their destiny. One of our missions of this church is to uh, get people to establish in their identity, equipped in God's word, and empowered to fulfill their destiny. You can't know your destiny if you don't have a relationship with God. If you don't even know who God is, but as you know who God is, God will also give you instructions. And a lot of times those instructions will be something that you can't do. Because you have to depend on God to do it. That's when you know God's called you to do something. Because you, if you can depend on you, you don't need God. But if you... God will always give you something to do where you need to trust Him. Maybe, maybe it's something that you are skilled in. Maybe it's something you're not skilled in. That's really not the main factor. The main factor is that you have a relationship with Him. Because I was listening to a clip from Billy Graham yesterday. And Billy Graham said there's three things you can't live without. One of those things is, is he's quoting from John 15. that Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. We can't do anything without God. And if, we're, and if we can do something without God, then we're boasting of what we did and not what God did. We need to put our trust in God. And God is, re, but God is revealing Himself to us in these seven names, and there are other ways He's revealing Himself to us as well, because that's who He wants to be in our lives. He wants to be our provider. He wants to be our righteousness. He wants to be our healer. He wants to be our victory. He wants to be ever present. He wants to sanctify us. He, that's who he wants to be in our lives so that we can fulfill our purpose and to fulfill our destiny. But because God has a reputation, we can also have a reputation. We'll, we'll eventually get to there. But, and that's why at Pentecost, Peter said, repent and be baptized into the name of Jesus. We are baptized into His name. We're going to be, in addition to talking about the seven redemptive names, we're also going to be talking about the name of Jesus, the eighth name. There's so much, that can be a whole series in just itself. But Peter said, be baptized into the name of Jesus. 
you know, one way that I describe that, and I want to move forward after this point, but just a, uh, when Sherry married me, we got married, she changed her name. She no, she no longer was Sherry England, she became Sherry Everett. She changed her name. You know, when we got married, we, we, we were living here in Southern California, we moved to Wisconsin for uh, ministry assignment. And when we moved there, uh, up to the point, Sherry had never worked a job, uh, except for a few little things, uh, I think uh, was uh, some signing jobs, whatnot, babysitting jobs. But when we moved, to, and when we when we got married, we, we did everything right with the, the marriage license. We got all that down and correctly with the court and all that. But we forgot to change her name with Social Security. We just we just simply forgot to, to cross that bridge. So. So when uh, we got to Wisconsin, she needed to get a part-time job uh, working on a Walmart there. Uh, we had to drive to Madison, which was two hours away, the, 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 the closest Social Security office at the time where we were located, so she could change her name with the Social Security office. Because she, she couldn't get a job under Sherry England, where that, that's not who she was anymore. But she also couldn't legally get a job under Sherry Everett because she hadn't legally changed her name with the right authorities. So she was, uh, we won't go there, she was somewhere in limbo between Sherry England and Sherry Everett. But my point was, my point is, she changed her name. Your name is your identity. There's other parts to your identity as well. But when you, your name is correct, you can sign your name on a check. You can sign your name on a legal document. I'm a notary public, and I have to identify people as they sign their name on some legal documents. That, that identity is huge. It's my responsibility to make sure that identity is accurate and that they sign that name. Because that signature on that document, there could be thousands of millions of dollars behind that signature. That signature authorizes things. Uh, so, but we are not just our own. We, the Bible says we were crucified with Christ. It's no longer we who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. We live in Christ. We were Crucified, we're buried with him in baptism, we raised together with him in new life. It says in Romans 6:11 that we need to reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We are baptized into the name of Jesus. It says repent in, in Acts chapter 2, when P Peter preaching at Pentecost, repent and be and, and, uh, and uh, be baptized in the name of Jesus. So we're repent. Metatonia. In the, in, the, in, the, in the Greek means to change your mind. She needed to stop. She, in a sense, Sherry had to repent. In a sense, she needed to change her mind. She's no longer Sherry England. She is Sherry Everett. We are no longer just flesh and blood. If we receive Christ Jesus, we're no longer flesh and blood. But we are baptized into the name of Jesus. That's who we are. And when we, we understand these names, including the name of Jesus, because that's who we're baptizing. The word baptized, baptismal, means to be emerged. We are emerged into the name of Jesus. The Bible says in, in Hebrew, I mean Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30, that we are one flesh with Christ. Just like Sherry and I are one flesh, we are one flesh with Christ. And we have his name. So when we know his name, we know who we are in him. And that all points to our destiny. Hopefully this is making sense, but I, 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 again, this is just introduction. Jesus, we'll, we'll talk about Jesus. Everything God is, everything God stands for, everything God represents is found 
in the name of Jesus. It includes every trait of God, which also includes these seven redemptive names that we're going to go through. They all point to the atonement that Christ provided on the cross. The Lord will, we'll study this when we talk about Jehovah Jireh, the Lord himself will provide a sacrifice. The Lord himself provided the sacrifice to Jesus. The Lord that heals, we'll see that by his stripes, Jesus' stripes, he is our healer. We'll see that the Lord is our banner. He is our victory. Paul talks about this in Ephesians, that we were, in Christ, we were born into victory. God is our banner. And his banner over us is love. We'll talk about how the Lord is our peace. When we talk, talk about the Christmas story, when the angels came on that, on that Christmas morn, it says, peace on earth and goodwill towards man. Jesus is our prince of peace. He's our prince of, it, it, uh, it says in Isaiah, but it also says in Hebrews chapter 7 that Jesus is our king of, uh, he, uh, he's our king of righteousness and our king of peace. It talks about in Hebrews Chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. We'll talk about the Lord is our shepherd. We'll talk about how the Lord is our sanctification. And we'll talk about from Ephesians chapter 5 when we're talking about sanctification. sanctification it says how, how Jesus has sanctified his own bride. We are the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And God and Jesus is the one who sanctifies us. And we're going to look about sanctification. We're going to look how even in the midst of the law, even in the midst of the Ten Commandments, God says himself... I am the one that sanctifies you. And he sanctifies us through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. We're talking about how the Lord is our righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness because he who knew the sin became sin that we might become the righteous of God. He is our king of righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. And we will talk about how the Lord is present. Now, the Lord is ever present. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so, um, these, all these names point to Jesus. Everything that God is, everything he stands for, everything he represents is found in Jesus. Now go with me real quick to Proverbs 18, if you have your Bibles. And these are just some quick verses I want to use about the name of God. There's, I'm not going to use all of them. We'll be here all day. But it says in chapter 10, uh, Hebrews chapter 18, verse 10, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and are safe. We're going to be talking about the names of God. We're going to be talking about who God is, who God, he reveals himself to be. And as we do that, you know, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. When we, if I need provision, I can run to the name of the Lord, who is the Lord is my provider, and he is my strong tower. If I need victory, I can run to the Lord and, and I receive my victory. If I need healing, I can run to the Lord, the Lord Rapha, and receive my healing. Whatever I need. It says, it says in Hebrews that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and receive our help in a time of need. And so the Lord is a strong tower, and those who run into it are safe. And we can be safe in the name of Jesus. We can be safe. And who God reveals himself to be. Another one real quick is Acts chapter 4. Verse 12. Acts 4, 12. And it says, Nor is there salvation in any other, other. 
For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Folks, there is only one name by which we can be saved, and that is the name of Jesus. God reveals himself to Jesus. God reveals himself through this name and all these other redemptive names. And there's no other name under heaven by which we can receive salvation. Now, salvation, we've talked about this many times. Salvation in, in the Hebrew means it is, it is Yeshua, and the, the Greek is soteria, or in the shortest form, sozo. In both the Hebrew and the Greek, it means healing. It means provision. It means deliverance. It means wholeness. So there's salvation. There's healing. There's wholeness. And in, in, uh, in the name of Jesus. Even the name of Jesus is Yeshua, salvation. And again, I love the, the Hebrew language because it's so rich. The name of Jesus, Yeshua, it is also the same word for salvation. The name of Jesus is salvation. When we talk about, again, the name of Jesus, if Jesus was dead, his name would not have no power. But since he's not dead, he is alive, Jesus' name still has power today. Everything is subject to the name of Jesus. If you have faith in that name, the name of Jesus, everything is subject to that name. But just repeatedly repeating the name of Jesus without faith will not give us a victory. It's not reciting a name. It's putting faith in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus gives faith believers access to the Lord in prayer. We're going to be talking about that a little bit later. But that all set in mind, let's go ahead and go to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 3, and this is where we're going to start our study together. And all that was the introduction before the introduction. So, that makes sense? I think, in other words, that was kind of the pre-introduction. But in Exodus chapter 3, this is where we'll spend a little bit of time uh, studying these scriptures together. We'll start with verse 1 so we get a little bit of a uh, backdrop here. He says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. We're in Exodus chapter 3. And then Moses said, I will not now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush does not burn. We're talking about, in this series, God Revealed. That's the title of this series. Yes, we're going to be talking about the names of God. But more importantly, we're talking about God revealing himself. Specifically, how God revealed himself to do seven or eight names that we're going to go over, including the name of Jesus. God is getting ready, in this, in this scene in Exodus chapter 3 that we're reading, God is revealing himself to Moses for the first time. It's not through his, I mean, his, his mother had a revelation of God, that's why he even uh, was preserved. Uh, from the Pharaoh who was trying to kill all the all the newborn babes. <coughs> but God was revealing himself to Moses. And we're going to see how God reveals a name 
I am to Moses in just a few moments in this context. <coughs> Excuse me. But in order to get Moses' attention, there's this burning bush that catches his eye. I don't know about you, but even if the bush was burning, and you and I were in the wilderness and we saw a burning bush, it would catch our attention. Because we would be thinking, brush fire, get out of here, or whatever, or something of that nature. But this, this intrigued Moses because he saw this burning bush, but it wasn't being consumed. It's not something he saw every day. It's not something he saw before. It caught his attention. In other words, this burning bush was miraculous. It was a miracle. And it caught his attention. And I want to say that many times God wants to use the miraculous to get our attention. And when we see something miraculous, when God begins to, to reveal himself to us, we need to do what Moses did. We need to turn aside. We need to pay attention. Sometimes we just need to simply be still and know that he is God. We need to pay attention to that. We can miss an opportunity that God has for us. We can miss... Because it was the burning bush was not this was not that object. It was just the tool that God used to get His attention. That makes sense. God wanted to reveal Himself to Moses. That was and actually God was going to give him also in this context. God was going to give him His destiny, which was going to deliver Israel from bondage. But the the, the, the assignment didn't come until after he got the revelation of who God was. And the revelation and the assignment didn't come until God got his attention and Moses responded. If Moses didn't just ignore this bush, he never would have had a revelation of God, at least in this matter, and he would have possibly missed his assignment, his purpose, his destiny. That makes sense? And some of you might be listening, you're like, yeah, there was a time or two or maybe more that God got my attention and I didn't respond, and you might be thinking, I missed my destiny. God is full of mulligans. God is full of do-overs. That might be the case. I don't care how young or old you are or what the case might be, but God can give you a do-over. That's the amazing thing about God. You know, Jonah kind of did that. He went the other direction so much that he caused a whole storm and, and, until they, he, he, and he got to spend three nights in the, the well motel. You know, and he got to experience all that glamour for three days. And then he got to go to Nineveh. <coughs> and then he saw a big revival in Nineveh. They repented. And, and, then, and then Jonah was mad because that's what he didn't want. He, <coughs> he was not a gracious prophet. He did not want Nineveh to be saved. He wanted them to be burned and destroyed. That's a whole story I got to get off the soapbox. But at the same point in time... He missed his opportunity. But God still got, did something miraculous. The whole well experience was miraculous. The storm itself was miraculous, in a sense. I'm not going to go there so much. But I just want to, I just put that footnote in there because just because you miss God doesn't mean God can't give you another chance. God can. It says in, in the book of Joel that he will restore the years wasted. God can restore to us. But my, the first thing I just want to make a note is that we need to pay attention when God wants to get our attention. 
And God is trying to reveal himself, even through the basics of his word. He's trying to reveal himself to us in prayer. He's trying to reveal himself to us through pastors and teachers. He's trying to reveal to us in nature. He's trying to reveal to himself by his Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit of the Lord has anointed us to bring good tidings and good things to people, to set the captives free, to, 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 to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. And maybe and even it says there in Isaiah, that's where I was quoting from, we, we might, we, maybe we, we, have, we, we have missed God because we did something wrong. Moses is actually in the backside of the, the whole reason why Moses is on the backside of the desert is because he killed a man. He was a murderer. And maybe you haven't done something that bad, but somehow you missed it because you've done something wrong, you did it in your own strength. God is giving Moses another chance here in the backside of the desert through a burning bush. He's 40 years old when he's seen this bush. Actually, he's about 80. Because <laughs> he spent 40 years in Pharaoh. He spent 40 years uh, uh, as, a, as a shepherd. And then he spent 40 years bringing, through his, bringing Israel out of, the, out, of the, out of the wilderness. So Moses is 80, <laughs> 80 years old when he sees this burning bush. And Caleb said he was, he was stronger at 80 than he was when he was 40 when they conquered the promised land. So age is not a factor. And in Isaiah 61, not only has the Spirit of the Lord anointed us that we can heal the brokenhearted, but he also says in verse 7 that instead of shame, you shall have double honor. Maybe you are on the backside of your desert <coughs> because of shame. And God says instead of shame, you will have double honor. That's awesome. That's who our God is. But let's read on. Verse 4. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he, Moses, said, Here I am. And he said, Do not draw near this place. Take off your sandals, off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the Lord of your father, <clears throat> the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. For he was afraid to look upon God. <clears throat> again, we, when God begins to speak to us, when God begins to reveal himself, again, we don't walk away, we pay attention. There's a lot happening here. Now, I, I know, I'll draw this out a little bit later too, but he reveals himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But if God had already, if Abraham had his own story, how God revealed himself. We'll, we'll be talking about it a little bit later in this series. The same happened with Jacob and Isaac. They all had their own story of how God revealed himself to each of them. But this was Moses' time. This was the scene where God was going to reveal himself personally to Moses. But just because God had revealed himself to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to even Moses, God wants to reveal himself to you. It's not enough for God to reveal himself to these four men. God wants to reveal himself to each of us in our own way. And how God revealed himself to Abraham and how God revealed himself to Moses were a different story. They were always consistent with Jesus. They were always consistent with his word. God didn't reveal himself in a way that is not consistent with his word. But the manner how God revealed himself was different. Abraham did not see a burning bush. Moses did. But the same God revealed himself. The same nature the same person, the same God revealed himself 
Not in a way that was foreign. Not in a way that was different. But how he rebuilt your story, your testimony might be different. Okay? But pay attention. Let's read on. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their, their taskmasters. And I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Parasites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Termites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel had come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the land, the, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? In a moment, we're going to get to some, some verses where God, and Moses will ask Abraham, I mean, ask God, who are you? Because he wanted to know who God really was. He, yes, God revealed himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but who, Moses wanted to know who he was. We'll get to that in just a moment. But in this passage that we just read between verses 7 and 11, God is revealing to Moses that God has not forgotten his people. To say and deliver them. He had a good man. And he had a good plan for them. This kind of ties into our last series. God has a, no, the, God says in Jeremiah 29 11 that I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Plans to prosper and not to harm you. We just talked about in our last series about resting in his goodness and he will take care of everything. God is good. God has a good plan. God has a good purpose. Even though the Israelites were sensing was experiencing oppression of time. That was not God's plan. God had a good plan, a good land, a good purpose, and a good destiny for them. There's people around you that God that are around you in your circle of influence that God wants to use you to bring deliverance in their lives. You're not this you're not the healer. You're not the provider. You're not Jehovah. You're not Yahweh. But God the Yahweh is in you. And just as Moses, God was going to use Moses to deliver Israel out of Egypt, God wants to use you to deliver people out of their own oppression, whatever that might be. And you might be like Moses, who am I to go before Pharaoh? And you might be, who am I to, 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 heal the, to set the captives free? Who am I that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and anoint me to, to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free? The Spirit of God who is in you is going to set the captives free. But God wants to reveal himself to you. So it's not you doing it. It's him in you that's doing it. That makes a difference? Okay? But God has not forgotten his people. God has not forgotten you. Maybe you're right now. You're not Moses. You're in Egypt. You're in bondage. You're hurting. You're, 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 your life, in your own opinion, is a wreck and has all these problems. <coughs> Well, that's what we're going to be talking about. He is the Lord, your healer. He is the Lord, your victory. He is the Lord, your provider. He is ever-present with you. We're going to be talking about these things. He's the one that will sanctify you. Excuse me. All right, let's go to verse 12. So he said, God said, I will certainly be with you, 
And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out, each of you shall serve God on this mountain. And then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And we'll pause right there just for a moment. First of all, I love this part in verse 12. God says, a sign that you know that I have sent you is that when you go to Israel and you set them free, you're going to bring them to the exact same mountain we are talking on face to face right now. I love that. I love that. And, uh, and I just, uh, it's awesome because when we, when we fast forward several chapters and we get to chapter 20, it's on this same mountain where the, the Ten Commandments are given and then the things are happening. God does fulfill his word. God does bring that to pass. But more importantly, that's a whole other message in itself. Moses asked God, when I do do this, what you're telling me to do, I go to Pharaoh and I bring the people of Israel out of Egypt into this mountain. Who do I tell them you are? If I'm going to be your messenger, if I'm going to be the person doing this, who do I say you are? You know, that, that seems like a very logical question to me. And God began to reveal himself in verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am. It's all caps. I am who I am. It's all caps. If we're going to do what God calls us to do, if we're going to do anything significant in this life, in this world, we need the power of God. It can't just be our good willpower. It can't be our religiosity. We can't, it can't be just our good morals. We need the power of God. I believe in good moral, morals. But I, we need the power of God. Paul said, I, don't, I come uh, in, to you in word and in power. You know, the book of Acts, we see the power of God. We see the miraculous how it taking place. And that's why I'm going to be starting my new series, talking about uh, knowing the Holy Spirit after I'm done with this teaching. It's time for us to know the Holy Spirit again. It's time for us to never know again. We need to experience the power of God. Not just a bunch of man-made hype, but we need to see the genuine power of the Spirit of the living God setting the captives free and transforming lives. We need the power of God. We need, and Moses not only needed to know that who God was, he needed to know that God was going to be with him. Because if he if he was going to go before Pharaoh and even go before the Israelites and say, "I'm here to deliver you," he needed to know that God was with him. There was no way Moses could have accomplished this on his own. He needed God, and he needed to know who God was. But this God. And God was having a conversation with Moses at the burning bush. He was a personal God. He was a personal God to Abraham. He was a personal God to Isaac and Jacob. And he was now becoming very personal to Moses. God wasn't just out there somewhere. He was having a real dialogue with God. And we too need a personal relationship with God. That's one of the key things that we teach in this church. Uh, we're not teaching religion. We're teaching a relationship with God. We need a relationship. I can't have that relationship for you. You can't have that relationship for me. 
I'm trying to set the table for you. I'm trying to, 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 to so that you can have the, your own relationship with God, but you have to have a relationship with God. You know, we were, we were joking the other day about uh, blind dates, Sherry and I, you know. Neither one of us had a blind date experience or anything, but sometimes people have. And sometimes people will arrange a date so that the two will hopefully connect one up, you know. And uh, you can't have a date for the person, but you can sometimes try to connect it. I'm not necessarily recommending that, but I think but people do do that. And, and, and one says, I can't have a relationship with God for you, but I can introduce you to each other. That makes sense? And I can set the table and I can, I can help. And sometimes we, you know, even with dating, sometimes we need to have people to give us, how do we date? How do we treat? How do we be, how do we be a gentleman? How do we be a lady? How do we, how do, we do this properly? But we can't do it for them. We can't go on the date for you. Uh, anyway, hopefully that's making sense. But the key thing is that we have a relationship with God. God wants to be personal to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as he, and as he is, as he's being this personal God that I'm trying to, to portray, he reveals himself to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. And here he's revealing himself to Moses. Also notice, again, I already made mention of this, when God reveals himself in verse 14, and God said to Moses, to God, Moses is asking God, reveal yourself to me. You say yourself is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but who are you? And, he, and this is God's answer. I am who I am. And he says, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. It wasn't just a name. Yes, that was, it was a name. I am. Is a name. So we can make it almost nine names that we're talking about in the names of God that we're, we're talking about. So it's not just seven redemptive names. There's a name here, I am. But the name is not just a name, and it's not just a title, some people call it that. It's God revealing himself who he is. I want you to see more than just a name. Yes, there are names here, and yes, there are titles here, if you want to use that phrase. It's more than, to me, it's more than a title, it's a name. But because a name is an identity. A title is just a description. But I believe it's both a, a identity and also a description. He's revealing who he is to Moses. <clears throat> He's the I am. He that means he wasn't created. He was self-existing. It points, it points to Jesus. It points to his identity. I am speaks to when it says in Hebrews 13.8 that he... Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It speaks to the same, the same phraseology that Jesus used in Revelation 1.8 that we read this morning. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the one who is and who was and who is to come. I am. Real quickly, we're running out of time this morning, but go with me to uh, John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 42. It says, Jesus said to them, he's talking to the religious leaders, John 8, 42. Jesus is talking to the religious people. He says, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceed in forth it came from my father. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Verse 43. 
because you are not able to listen to my word. Verse 44. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want. Actually, I want to stop there at 43. I'm sorry, I don't want to go further. I don't want to confuse you. It's a powerful teaching, but that's not what I'm talking about. But I want to read verse 42, verse 3 again. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from my my from God. Nor have I come forth of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You know, there's there's a question there's some questions here that Jesus is asking. And, so there's a, <clears throat> there's a, and he's actually responding to some questions from the religious leaders who are asking Jesus, who are you? If you read the context, I don't have time to read the whole the whole context right now. Who are you? And and, and if we if we we're going to continue reading here in just a moment. Jesus is going to describe himself as I am Lord. I am. He's going to use the same phrase that God used of himself in, in, in Exodus chapter three verse fourteen. I am. He's going to use that in just a moment. So I'm getting I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But he's also going to describe himself as being Lord. Because anyone who says I am is Lord. Okay. I just want I, I want to make a little side note here that's very important. Is that the fact that he Jesus is Lord? There's some people that think Jesus is a good teacher, that he's a good man, but they don't think that he's Lord Yahweh. And John, in his letters, in First John chapter, First John, and also in Second John, John uses some strong language that the Antichrist will not is want in the spirit of Antichrist is those who don't. Don't describe or believe that Jesus is Lord, that he's part of the deity. And so it's important that we know that Jesus is Lord, that he is our Lord. But as we continue to read down, skip down to verse 52. Then the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, you say, If anyone keeps my word, he shall taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? And the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself to be? There's a question again. Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them until passed by. God reveals himself to Moses as the I am. And Jesus uses that same expression to reveal himself to religious leaders. There's a lot here. I don't have time to go into all this teaching. But this Jesus, this Yahweh, this I am, has revealed himself to Moses. He also reveals himself, Jesus himself reveals himself to 
these religious leaders. Now, the religious leaders didn't receive it. The religious leaders didn't respond positively, did not receive this revelation, and we saw how they tried to stone him and try to reject him. Not everyone who calls him Lord, Lord, has received him. And in, 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 in this regard, these religious leaders didn't call him Lord, Lord. So the point I'm trying to make, hopefully I'm making sense, as I try to bring my, my message this morning to a close. Up to this point in Moses, in Moses chapter 3, verses uh, 13 and 14, the people of Israel only knew God as the God of their the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's all they knew. Because you read a lot of the Old Testament, and God will reveal himself, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's all they knew of him. That's all they knew. But here, in Exodus chapter 3, God is revealing himself as I am. And, it, and, and from that point on, it, it goes all the way down to what we just read in John chapter 8. I am. And they, they knew that God, as Yahweh, was, was as he was revealed to Abraham and also to Moses. But I want to go back, back to Exodus just for a moment. Moses wanted to know God personally. It wasn't enough for Moses to just know that he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Some of us may only know God through our parents or through another pastor or teacher or friend or whatnot. But you need to know God personally. I also don't want to know God in such a way like these religious leaders who didn't receive who Jesus was. They, re they, only had, they had a revelation of God, but it was still of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob. We need to have a revelation of God ourselves. And that's who Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, I'm trying to describe there is a process that all of us have to go through to know who God is. In one sense, we will all of our, the rest of our lives we will begin to know God. Just like Sherry and I are still, after 20 years of marriage, are still getting to know each other. We will spend the rest of our days getting to know each other. But Moses wanted to know God personally because he needed an assurance that God was going to be his God. And that God was going to be their God, the nation of Israel. God, and God wants to reveal himself to you. Jesus was trying to reveal God to these religious leaders. God, in other words, God doesn't have grandchildren. We all have to have a personal relationship with God. We are all children of God. <coughs> Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren of children. God doesn't have grandchildren in that sense. He only has children. And we are all children of God. <coughs> or not children of God. We can't live off someone else's faith. We have to have the Holy Spirit reveal God to us. And he always reveals God to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. And he always reveals his Son through us, by the Holy Spirit, through Scripture. 
before we can truly know who we are and what we are capable of doing, we need to know who God is. And then when we know who God is, we will know who we are. And when we know who God is and who we are, through that relationship with God, we can find out what he wants us to do. Like he told Abraham what to do. Like he told Moses what to do. Like he told Jesus. Jesus spent every, he spent time with the Father before he, Jesus didn't do anything without spending time with the Father to find out what he was supposed to do. This all points to our destiny. I think I'm gonna wrap it up right there. I don't know if I made sense with all of that. I know it's a lot of different things. But I think what I'm trying to convey, what I'm trying to say in this message, and we're gonna go through these names of God. Now just one more introduction notes, which I'll finish next week just before we go to the first name, which we'll talk about, the Lord is our provider. But it just uh, I'm talking about I'm not just talking about the names, just so I, I Yes, take notes. Feel free to take notes. Yes, what, what these names mean. But I'm not so much trying to describe the name just so you can define what that name means, even though that's okay. I'm trying to reveal God to us. I'm trying, when I, for example, when we talk about you know, Jehovah Jireh, he's a provider, I'm not just trying to uh, share definitions. Definitions are good. They're a platform. They're a foundation. But I want him to be your provider. I want you to experience his provision. I want you to experience God as your provider. I want you to experience you having your own personal relationship with God as your provider. And I can go through all seven of these names and other names that we're going to go through. The name of Jesus. So that you can have a personal relationship. That Moses is not just doing his ministry as a deliverer of Israel based on Abraham or Isaac or Jacob, he had his own personal relationship with God. And we in the New Testament can even have a more personal relationship with God because of Jesus. And I hope this is making sense. But I also want to experience God's provision, that he's in my victory, that he's ever present with me, that he's my sanctification, that he's my healer, that he's my righteousness. Now he's all these different things. God, God didn't just reveal these things just so we have some intellectual knowledge. God revealed these things, yes, so we have knowledge, but so that we can walk in it, so we can experience God. God's revealing himself because that's who he is. And that's what he wants to be. It's not just a title. It's, it's identity. It's who he is. It's what he does. That's his reputation. That's who he is. He wanted to be the provider. He wanted to be their healer. He wanted to be these things. Not just a title. He's not an idol. He's a God. He's personal. He wants a relationship with us. He's revealing himself because that's who he is. That, I don't know. That's, that's really my main heart in this message, in this series, is I want you to know who God is. I want you to experience that. <coughs> So, hopefully that makes sense. <clears throat> Lord, we just worship you. <clears throat> we magnify you. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to each of us. Not just through this series, but in a very personal and tangible way. Throughout our days, even to while we sleep at night, and different things, Lord, speak to us in dreams and visions. Speak to us. Show us who you are. And 
those areas where we need a, the hand of God to deliver us out of, just like Israel needed to be delivered out of Egypt, Lord, we just thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are the great I am. May we not reject you like religious people. May we embrace and engage who you are in our lives in a very real and supernatural and powerful way. Teach us afresh who you are. Yes, you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses. You're the God of Paul and Peter and James and all these people. But you want to be our God too. In this generation, in this society, in these last days, you want to be our God. And we worship you, we magnify you in the name of